right, come on with your Bibles in your hands. Would you repeat after me? Y'all know this is my favorite Bible. This is a special Bible to me from Brother Hiley. Amen. Took his time to give us this Bible, so this means a whole lot to me. Amen. And every time I put my hand on it, I'm believing that he is getting a blessing where he is. Amen. All right. Repeat after me. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I will have what it says I will have. I'm a part of Deliverance Temple where we love by living our vision every day. We connect with our creator continually. We confess our deliverance consistently. Ah, we commit to serve creatively. And it leads up to the last and final one. We communicate Christ's love compassionately. Father God, feed me your word. If you believe it, put your hands together one more time. All right, let's bow our heads. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, God, I'm praying that you would think through my mind, speak through my mouth. God, let it be all of you, less of me. Let the people be eternally touched and blessed. Let no one's coming be in vain. God bless them in the house and online and all those who would listen to the rebroadcast, God. Let them get something that they didn't have before. Give them something that they can take into eternity. And we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So today we're going to start off with the title of this, and it's the title, Golden Opportunity. Golden Opportunity. I don't know if any of you guys have ever been uh, presented with an opportunity that was too good to pass up, a golden opportunity. And so, you know, in, in other times when I preach something, I, it may look, the title may look negative, and then I'll switch and turn it positive. This week, I'm going to do it the opposite. The title is positive, but I'm actually going to show you the negative side to, uh, so basically it's going to help us not miss golden opportunities. Because golden opportunities can come, but God will never push you through an opportunity. You're going to have to grab it, and if you don't know how to grab it, you're going to miss it. And God is not obligated to bring an opportunity to you a second time around. Now, he's a good God, and he will, and he does. He's a God of second chances. But we're getting too late in the day to be banking on second chances. When you get a chance, when you get a moment, when you get an opportunity, you need to seize the day, carpe diem, because it's folk behind you, around you, beside you, that will grab what belongs to you. If you're too lazy and you mess around, this is not the time to be playing church. This is the time to grab every opportunity. I've already prayed that God's goodness would come, but sometimes God's goodness comes in a way you don't recognize. And if you're too dull to it and you miss it, that's on you. It's not on God. Got a little bit more, and then I'm going to start. So I'm not starting yet. This is just the appetizer. But Esau, the Bible says, Jacob have I loved, and Esau have I hated. And when you find out, it's because it wasn't that he hated him. It was the way he handled spirituality. Jacob was a mess. Jacob was a trickster. Jacob was wrong and evil, but he understood uh, spirituality, and he understood how to grab it. And Esau didn't care nothing about it. He sold his birthright for a pot of soup, for some gumbo. That must have been some good gumbo to give up your blessing for that. But he didn't understand an opportunity. And later on, Esau was mad because he missed out on it. But you got to know when you have a God-given golden opportunity in front of it and you can't play with it, you got to grab it. Why? Because folk are dying in every day and you don't know when your number's going to get called. Do everything you need to do. Grab everything you need to grab. I don't need to go to the Fiji Islands when I get to heaven. If I'm going to go there, I need to go there while I'm living. I need to make up, save the money to do it now. I don't need a Rolex in heaven. I'm going to need a Rolex now. So if you want it, you got to build up and get ready for it now. All right, let's let's put this up. Let's put up the def, uh, definition for opportunity. 
a set of circumstances that makes it possible to do something. Let me say it this way. All the stars aligning, stuff falling into place. Don't be a fool when stuff falls in place and you mess stuff up and you self-sabotage. When stuff starts falling into place, hopefully you are ready, you've been preparing, and you're ready to move forward. Pastor, I got a, I got a job opportunity that I think is going to be great for me, but they want a resume by tomorrow. You should have already had a resume waiting just in case. Don't pray for something that you haven't been preparing for. You ought to know what you want, when you want it, so when it shows up, you know how to grab it. Some of y'all, y'all got a wedding venue picked out, a wedding dress picked out, wedding cake picked out. All you need is the man. When the man show up, you ready. So be ready. Get not not just get ready, get ready, but be ready, be ready before a golden opportunity. I, I want to start off with 1 Corinthians 16 and 7. And, and now I have my bow tie on, so that means I'm normally gonna take my time, but I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to speed up. I'm gonna try not to do too much, but I might. Just so you know. First Corinthians 16, 7, English for, Standard Version. For I do not want to see you now just in passing. I hope to spend some time with you if the Lord permits. In this letter of Corinthians, Paul is writing and he's coming to the very end of the this particular book. It only has 16 chapters, so he's coming to the end. We're starting in the middle, but let's look at verse 8. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost. Verse 9. For a wide door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many adversaries. I want to uh, look at that verse just for a second. He says, what kind of door? A wide door. A wide door for effective work. So so I, I posted this on Facebook, but I'll give you the context of why it came up in my head. The other day I was going into clock in at my job, and I had a bunch of stuff in my hands. And in order to get through the door, I wasn't going to be able to open it. So I actually hit, used my elbow to hit the, uh, the handicap thing, and it made the doors open up. You know, when you press it, it makes the doors open up automatically. They open up kind of slow. And what I immediately thought of, I thought of when you go to the grocery store, you don't have to do anything. I don't care how full your hands are. All you got to do is get close, and the door sees you, and it will automatically open. And that I heard it in my spirit, I heard God say, automatic doors. There's some doors that you're about to go into that you're not going to have to open. You're not going to have to push, pull, struggle, unlock. All you got to do is get close and the door's going to open. And Paul said this. Now, look, put, put the scripture back up. We can go ahead and make it transparent so I can point out some things. So Paul says, for a wide door for effective work has opened to me. A wide door. I got a big opportunity. Then he says this, and there are many adversaries. He didn't say, but there are many adversaries. Remember, but cancels out. He didn't say, but he said, and. In other words, he said, the door is open and it's going to be some trouble there too. But I'm not focused on the trouble. I'm focusing on the opportunity. When you've been waiting so long, the devil could be standing in front of the door. It ain't going to bother you. I see you. But I'm going through that door. I, I don't care how close you get. I don't care how much you breathe your fire. I don't care how much your stinking breath get close to me. You're not going to stop me from getting what God said I can have. Because I've never seen the door open this big, this wide. I've never been this close. I've never got this close to my blessing. So devil, stand there if you want to. I'm going through that door. Let's look at it in the New Living Translation. I like the way it says in the New Living Translation, 1 Corinthians 16, 9. There is a wide door open for a great work here, although many oppose me. That leads me to point number one to help you. Stop letting or allowing opposition blind you from opportunity. Don't look so much at the opposition that you don't see the opportunity. Listen. 
The devil's going to do his job. He's going to be the devil. He's going to act like the devil. So he's going to cut up. Let him cut up, but don't allow his cutting up to stop you from moving where you know you need to be. Devil, you can't stop this. Devil, you can't block this. I know you're going to try it. I know you're going to talk to my head. And every time I get an opportunity, here I go get nervous. Every time I get a chance to speak in front of a bunch of people, I've been dreaming about it all my life. Now I get nervous, I get fumbled, but listen, I'm going to fight through the nerves, I'm going to fight through the fumbling, but I'm not going to back up, I'm not. I'm taking the invitation. Bishop Jakes, you want me to come? When you want me to come, I'll be there tomorrow. I don't know how I get there, I'm not going to drive all night, but I'm not missing another opportunity. Devil, get out of my face, I'm going through the door. Don't let the opposition rob you or blind you from the opportunity because it's a wide door. And what Paul said, it's a wide, effective door. In other words, I got a chance to do something I've never been able to do. I want to put up point number two. This will help too. Opposition is one of the best reasons to go after an opportunity. Not only do you not worry about the opposition or allow it to blind you, it's actually a reason to go. Because many times I've learned when I'm not doing anything for God, the devil ain't bothering me. If the devil keeps bothering me and keeps opposing me, I'm doing something right. So I might as well keep doing what I've been doing and keep moving forward. Deliverance Temple, there's a lot of stuff that I preached, and after I get done preaching, the devil just go crazy on us, and we just cause all kinds of stuff. That's not a sign we're doing something wrong. That's a sign we're on the right path. Keep on. Keep on going on. Listen, when you when you go down the highway, and you're trying to go somewhere, maybe you're trying to go on vacation, one thing you sometimes you'll see, you'll see the cops on the highway. You don't see as many cops in the neighborhood because they don't expect you to be speeding in the neighborhood. They expect you to be speeding on the highway, so they're waiting for you. They're waiting to oppose you, to catch you doing something wrong. So if there's a whole bunch of cops on the highway, that means you're going somewhere big. If you're just driving through Whiteley, unless you're selling dope, they really ain't going to bother you. <laughs> oh, now let me get off of that. But, but they set up waiting where they can catch you. And so the devil is like that. When you get in a big road, a big wide opportunity, that's where that joker wants to be. But guess what? I'm going to drive right on by. See, I done got good. I've been driving so long. I done got good. I done got the way where I can see them before they see me. I'm going 80, but I'll drop it down to 75 in a heartbeat before I pass by. Because I saw you. And sometimes I have friends who travel the same road and they will text me or call me and say there's a cop down the road. And I'm here to let you know, I'm telling you, there's a devil around the corner. Don't worry about him. He can't stop you. He can't block you. Keep doing what you're doing. And if you get bold enough, slow down and wave at the devil as you pass right on by. Because this is an opportunity and this is a moment you cannot mess up. So sometimes opposition is one of the best reasons to go after an opportunity. Let's look at Ephesians 5.16. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Because the days are evil. That's one of the reasons to redeem the time, to make the most of the time because they're evil. The more evil they get, the more you need to be going after the things of God. And some people want to say, oh, Lord, I just can't wait to get to heaven. No, I don't want to go to heaven right now. I got some stuff I want to do. And while the devil is messing up, out messing with stuff, I want to get some stuff done. I'm not backing up. I'm not shying away. I'm doing what God wants me to do because of the evil day. So don't let the evil day scare you. Let the evil day provoke you to do more. Let's read this also in the NIV. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Making the most of every opportunity. So that also means you can make the least of an opportunity. But the more evil the day is, the more prominent you have to make sure you're making the most of every opportunity there's nothing wrong with taking days off everybody needs a rest but you can't take too many days off it's stuff that needs to be done you you, you can't go six months without reading your bible you ain't that holy 
You're going to need to get in the word of God. You need to get on your position. Whatever God's called you to do, this ain't the time to mess around. The day is too evil to be playing around. Get up, get about your father's business. At 12 years old, the Bible says Jesus told his mother, I have to be about my father's business. If he could be about his father's business at 12 years old, what's wrong with you at 52? Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Well, pastor, I don't have time to pray. You do not have time not to pray. No, you don't have to get on your knees and bow your head. You pray wherever you can. Pray in the grocery store. Pray on the roller coaster. You better pray on the roller coaster. Pray, pray wherever you are. Take a moment. You gotta pray. I gotta make the most of every opportunity. And that's not only doesn't, we're talking about spiritual things, but natural things too, including relationships. Stop taking people in your life for granted. Stop letting people go years and years without them hearing you say, I love you, if you love them. If you do love them, they need to hear, I love you, I appreciate you. Stop letting your man go out the house and you never compliment him. Let your woman go out the house and you never compliment them. Because somebody will, somebody at the gas station, somebody at Aldi, somebody will get their attention. Stop playing around. Make the most of every opportunity. Now, parents, we're tired and we're worn out, but our kids need our time. Sometimes we got to put the phone down and spend some time with them. And when we put the phone down to spend time with them, we got to make them put their phone down. Because I didn't put my phone down to be with you and you on your phone. No, we both putting our phones down, and we're gonna we're gonna make the most of this opportunity. Because I don't I don't know what's gonna happen when you get out of my house. And you get away from me. So let me love you while I can. Do your kids know that you love them? Not just by what you buy them, but by how you spend time with them. Does your pastor know you love him? By the way that you give to the house of God. By the way you are take time and do things for the house of God. I got members that I didn't know I had were members because I ain't seen them in so long. That's my pastor. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. It's been a decade since I saw you. And then when they pass away, the family want to come and want me to do the funeral. They used to go to your church. They did? I, I don't remember. Make the most of every opportunity. Do what you can. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's go to Ephesians uh, 5, 15 through 20. We're going to read in the New Living Translation in one verse in the NIV. Let's start with verse 15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. All right, verse 17. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. All right, verse 17 in the NIV. I'll go ahead and read this in the NIV. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. I'm going to turn the corner. Somebody say you're about to turn the corner. So yes, we want to grab an opportunity, but I'm going to spend some time talking about foolishness. So it says, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And so this is not the time to not know what his will is. Now, God's will is not always easy to figure out in your life. Sometimes it takes some searching, but the last thing you can do, you need to do is being foolish about the will of God. I say this all the time and I'll say it again. I've never gone to McDonald's and ordered steak and lobster. Cause it's not on the menu. And I, brother Donna, I'd look like a fool saying, well, give me, uh, give me the, the, the combo with the steak and lobster. They're going to look at me like you crazy. Cause we don't serve that. There's some stuff God does not serve. So you can't be going after it acting like it's the will of God. I've liked Halle Berry all my life, so I need Halle Berry and I need Devin. That's not on the menu. She liked LL Cool J for a long She liked when he licked his lips and all that foolishness. She, yeah, she ain't, she ain't perfect either. 
but it ain't on the menu. I'm stuck with her and she's stuck with me. So let's not pretend when life gets hard that we can just adjust God's will where God want me to. No, he don't. Stop being foolish. Like I told you, I heard something years ago. I heard actually in the church from church folk in Deliverance Temple years ago. Someone say, I'm going to cuss you out in the name of Jesus. That's not on the menu. Just be honest. You want to cuss. Don't put God in it. That ain't his will. You want to cuss folk out, but don't try to add Jesus' name on it. Some stuff that we're doing is just plain foolishness. And it doesn't line up to the will of God. And guess what? We've all been there. And there's nothing wrong with that. We grow. But what I'm saying, this is not the time to be playing the fool. There's a song that says everybody plays the fool. But this is not the time. Listen, when we've come through the pandemic, what I don't understand, the pandemic should have brought Christians to their knees. And we should have been on fire for God. And you still have people playing church. And I'm trying to warn folk, this is not the time. It's never been the time. But if it's ever been a time before, it's now is not the time to be playing the fool. Sometimes when I'm watching a social media and I see churches, I'm not one who judges other people, but I see a, a, a whole bunch of shouting and dancing. I see a whole bunch of flesh. How come every time you dance, the camera's on you every single time? Oh, you dancing to be seen. You're not dancing because you have a praise in your heart. Because a true praise, I don't really need a church for a true praise. I done danced in my shower. I done danced in the kitchen. I done danced in the parking lot before. I done danced on my job when God hit me real good. I don't need you to see me because my worship is not for you. My worship is for God. And I'm not playing with this because at the end of the day, I want God to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. All right, let's, let's read some more. Let's look at verse 18. Now, let, before we read this verse, now last week I jumped on this, and this week it pops up again. So I don't know what God is saying, and I don't know who God's saying it to, but let's read it again. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Last week we were talking about better Christians, and we talked about basically social drinking, but then we talked about doing too much with alcohol. I didn't have any plan on bringing it back up, but it happened to be in the scripture. So God is saying it to somebody. This is not the time to be going around getting drunk. This is not the time to be chancing and playing with that. And I'm not saying you can't do anything, but be very careful because lives can be ruined in a moment of bad choices. So be careful. But it says instead of that, be Feel with the Holy Spirit. And then it shows you how you know the difference. Most of you, you know when you're drunk with alcohol, but how do you know when you're drunk with the Spirit, feel with the Spirit? Let's look at the ver in verse 19. Singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your heart. Oh, it goes back to what I just told you. You don't even need a church. But when you're drunk with the spirit, you can't help. You got songs down in your spirit. You wake up with the songs. This is the day. Where did that come from? You got something down in your spirit. I told Satan, get thee behind. Victory today is mine. Singing in songs and hymns and spiritual songs. And Jaira, you are enough. And this is how I fight my battles. Listen, you have an internal radio down in your spirit. And you get happy just because you get happy. And when the devil tries to buffalo you and push you over, you can't help but keep getting happy. Because I'm saved by his power divine. And I'm saved from through, through new life sublime. Life now is sweet and my joy is complete. Because I'm saved. And love lifted me. And amazing grace, how sweet the sound. You begin to have a praise party all by yourself. And you can't even shut it off. I've woke up with a song in my spirit. Sometimes I wish I had a voice 
that matched the song in my spirit. Boy, y'all couldn't do nothing with me if I had a voice to match the song in my spirit. I tell you what, boy, I'd be something to deal with. But I give God praise and glory. And the other day I was, I was, uh, at, at my job and I was looking on TikTok and I thought I was going to make a TikTok and what, there was a song on there and I ended up making a TikTok out of it, but I really caught the Holy Ghost in my office. And it was a song that said, it won't always be like this. Ooh, God will perfect that what's concerning you. And sooner or later, it'll turn in your favor. I still believe he's working it out for me. And while I call myself making a TikTok, I started praising God in my seat at my desk because I know sooner or later, God going to turn it around. I'm not just talking to you. I really believe what I'm talking about. And if, if I didn't have a mic and I didn't have a church, if I didn't have an organ or a drum, it won't stop me from praising God because let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. As long as I'm breathing, I got a reason to praise God. I'm drunk with the spirit of praise because I done been through so much hell and I'm not going to go through this hell and walk around looking like I've been sucking on sour lemons. I'm going to keep a praise. Uh, Jay Moss said, I got a praise on the inside that I can't keep to myself. I, I got a holler, not on my quiet church, but every now and then I just got the holler. I got, got the scream. And even my little daughter been running around. She was talking about the anointing yesterday. And Devin was like, where she know anything about the anointing? She over there preaching, doing her own thing. Cause I wanted to affect everything in my house. I want my dog to catch the Holy Ghost. I, I want my television to catch the Holy Ghost. I want the power of God to be in my life so strong that every demon, every devil can't stop me because I got an opportunity. But pastor, didn't your father die? Yes, he did. But he would want me to be praising God. He'd want me to do more praising than I do crying. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do more praising than I do crying. I'm not going to forget him. I'm going to remember him. But I still got something to praise God for. I remember when I couldn't have babies and I have babies now. I remember when I wanted the Cadillac I'm driving now. I remember when I wanted the job that I'm working at now. I got a reason to praise God. I remember laying up in the hospital and God brought me out. I remember God's miracle working power. He's a way maker, miracle worker. He's a promise keeper. He's a light in the darkness. And I got a reason, I got a right, and I got a responsibility to praise the Lord. So if you're going to get drunk on anything, get drunk on that. If I was my daddy, I would tell you I'm high right now and I don't have to come down. I don't have to snort it. I don't have to smoke it. I don't have to shoot it up. But I got a praise that will take me higher than anything that the world can ever offer me. All right, moving right along. Now, Ephesians 5.20, read this. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So everything's not good, but when you understand this and you're really drunk with the Spirit, you find a way to thank Him for everything. God, I don't understand it, but God, I thank you. God, I'm confused by it, but Lord, I thank you. I know why when they used to have tarrying services and they used to try to get people to catch the Holy Ghost, they would say, just say, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I didn't understand how much power is in thank you, Jesus. Because the more thankful you are, when praises go up, blessings come down. And if you can just keep a thank you, God, in your spirit, a thank you, God, in your mouth, a thank you, God, in your mind, a thank you, God, near you, stuff is going to happen for you. Now, if you marry the two together, if you know there's an open door and you have a thankful heart, if you've already been thanking God for the open door, then guess what? You're not going to let nothing stop you from getting through it. All right, let's put up point number three. This is going to help us again. Frequently overlooking opportunity equals a loss. Let me say it again. Frequently, F, overlooking O, Opportunity to owe equals a loss L, which spells fool. If you keep frequently overlooking opportunities, 
you're going to end up losing, and it makes you a fool. Let's look at Proverbs 26, and this is the last chapter we're going to go through. I'm going to spend a little time on this, and then we'll go out. Proverbs 26, we're going to talk about foolishness and laziness. Honor is no more associated with fools than snow with summer or rain with harvest. I don't like Indiana weather. Don't like Indiana Decembers. But I've never seen snow fall in the summertime. It's too out of season. And the Bible says giving honor to a fool is like snow showing up in the summertime. It just does not fit. And so if God has opened up a door of honor for you to go through, but you're operating like a fool, guess what? The door's going to shut before you ever get to it. Because honor and foolishness don't go hand in hand. Let's put up this verse, Proverbs 26, 2. Like a fluttering sparrow or a darting swallow, an undeserved curse will not land on its intended victim. King James says the curse causeless will not come. In other words, when a person is cursed, it's not by happenstance. You don't just accidentally get cursed. You have to be in a period and a pattern of foolishness for the curse to land on you. And so that brings me to point number four. If you take every opportunity to act like a fool, Satan will take every opportunity to make you pay for it. Now, we all have played the fool every now and then. But if you take every opportunity to act like a fool, Satan going to take every opportunity to make you pay for it. He's going to send the curse. So some stuff you cannot afford to do because I can't afford to mess up. I can't afford to mess this up. This next opportunity, I can't afford to mess this up. I can't afford for my children to be raised like I was raised. Stop crying about how you was raised and treat your children better. Make a difference. Make a decision because it's too late in the day to mess up because the devil is on your tail and he's looking for every opportunity. Now, God, with his grace, he blocks a lot of stuff. But if you want to be foolish, Satan wants to make you pay for it. All right, let's read further. Let's look at verse 4. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become as foolish as they are. That's really powerful. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools. Or you become as foolish as they are. Let's look at verse 5. Verse 5. Be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools. Or they will become wise in their own estimation. Hold on, Solomon. The first verse you said, don't. Let's go back. Make sure I'm not missing something. Let's go back. Let's go backwards to verse 4. It says, don't answer the foolish argument of fools. Now go to verse 5. Be sure to answer the foolish argument of fools. All right, Solomon, what are you talking about? You can't, that, it's funny, they're right next to each other. One minute he says, don't answer the argument of fools. The other minute he says, answer the argument of fools. So what are you talking about? Well, because I have the revelation, I'll tell you. But let's put a point five first. Then we'll, I'll explain it. Different foolishness. Requires different responses. It says don't answer the argument of fools because you'll be foolish as they are. Because there are some fools who know they're fools. And they're just trying to get you to stoop to their level. But there's other fools who don't know they're fools. They think think they're wise and you have to confront them to let them know it ain't what you think it is. So there are some arguments you need to stay out of because it will lower you down to their level. But there's some arguments you need to jump in because they need to be set straight. Some There's some folk, l- l- let me tell you like this, it reminds me of, of my father. I'm just laughing because it reminds me of a friend of mine telling me something happened with my father in one of those meetings. It was a meeting with the uh, the mayor and the sheriff and some other folk in the meeting and they said something and he let down Apostle and he became Royce. My friend said, actually, I'll tell you who it was, his sister Watasha Griffin. She said, she said, Pastor Andre, your daddy said, y'all got me bent up in here. (laughs) 
Y'all got it twisted. And he began to let them know what he was talking about. He forgot where he was. But in other words, there were some arguments you can't let go by. There's some stuff folks say to you that you cannot play around with. You got to, no, uh-uh, you're going too far. Let, let me tell you tell another story. There's something happened that I, I, I didn't have a chance to tell Brother Will uh, ahead of time, but the way he responded tickled me. So there's a friend of mine that we used to work with named Tony Watkins. And years and years ago, when, when I was just becoming a minister, uh, I was working with him. And he was like, he was teasing with me. He's like, I know you're a good minister. He said, but every time I see you, I'm going to tell folk you're a crooked preacher. And just, just, we're just going back and we always pick with each other. And so he did it a few times. One time I was at a restaurant and the waitress came and said, uh, the bill has been paid for you because the person says you're a crooked preacher. <laughs> and I looked up and he had paid the bill and he was over there waving at me. So not too long ago, I seen him at a funeral, and me and him were joking with each other, and he said something about a crooked preacher, and Will heard him, and Will looked like, I thought Will was about to jump on him. <laughs> we, were like, we were like, wait a second. I didn't have a chance to tell him that me and him happened to play like that. But Will was like, you can play with some stuff, but you ain't going to call my pastor crooked. There's some stuff I don't play with. Now, because he's a Christian brother, I let him go that way. But I liked the way Will was ready to stand up. I didn't know what he was going to do. I don't know if he's going to be like Peter and cut his ear off. I didn't know what he was going to do. But Will was bowed it, bowed it. And there's some fools you got to get bowed it, bowed it with. No, don't play with me like that. Uh-uh. There's some stuff you can't play with because I, there's some fools I can't stoop to your level. Because you a fool, you know you a fool, and you're just trying to bring me down. But there's some fools, they, they they think they're right. And you got to tell them like Apostle Mitchell, you got me bent. Uh-uh. This is the wrong one. I don't know who you talking to with your dumb self, with your ignorant self. Who you calling dumb? Who you calling ignorant? And let me tell you something. I know you saved, but every now and then your supervisor needs to know you do not play. Don't talk to me any kind of way. I'm a, I put my pants on like you put your pants on. And I'm a child of God. I'm saved. But listen, you cannot mess with me. Some fools need to be confronted. And let me break it down. Let me pull it into your house. Sometimes your teenager gets a little foolishness bound up in them. And I know you a single mother, but you need to pray for the strength of Samson and stop letting these smart mouth girls and smart mouth boys talk to you any kind of way and you pay the bills and you put food on the table and you put clothes on the back. Let that fool know the buck stops here. Well, pastor, he's six foot four. And I'm five foot three. It's enough deacons in this church for us to go to your house and make a special stop to get the fool out of him. Because if we don't do it, the prison system will do it. Somebody got to correct it. So Solomon was not contradicting himself. He was saying some fools you never argue and some fools you don't let slip by. All right, let's put up point number six. Foolishness that thinks it's wise will obstinately repeat behavior that constantly blows opportunity. That's why some foolishness has to be confronted. Because the foolishness that thinks it's wise will obstinately, another word for obstinately is stubborn. Repeat behavior that constantly blows opportunity. And here's the thing. If you allow, especially in your children, if you allow stubbornness to set in your child, they're going to keep messing stuff up. You got an A child to keep getting Fs because he don't want to be made fun of. No, you're going to be made. If you're in my house, you're going to bring me some A's. I don't care if you got to turn the F into an A before you get to me. You're going to have to do something. <laughs> we ain't putting up with this, but I'm looking behind you. I'm, gonna, I'm about to find out because I don't want stubbornness to set in because the Bible says stubbornness is like idolatry. And when people get in patterns of stubborn behavior, it's so hard to move somebody who's stubborn. You can tell them right. You can tell them the sky is blue and they'll try to tell you, well, it's green. 
The earth is flat. Where everything seems, seems like it's a circle. Well, I don't believe it. I'm a conspiracy theorist and the earth is flat. They, I don't care what you show them and then they'll tell you what well, you can't say Jesus because Jesus name is with a J and the J didn't come later on in, into, uh, in, into time. The J was later on. And I'll be like, um, what's your name? My name's Jeremiah. Well, why don't you take the J off your name then? I can't use the J, but before folk get stubborn, they'll fight you. They'll tell you you serving a slave religion. And some of them fools, you got to confront. I don't do it all the time. I let a lot of stuff slide. But every now and then, I'll get on that, I'll get on that Facebook and I'll get to typing. And I've noticed folk will back off off of me because I know more than I let on. Some foolishness, I'm not going to let you stay in that pattern of foolishness because it'll make you blow op- opportunities. Let's look at what the scripture says in Proverbs 26. As a, as a dog returns to his vomit, so a fool repeats his foolishness. See, when you get stuck in a pattern of foolishness and you get obstinate and stubborn, you will go to something you know is no good and repeatedly go back to it like a dog returned to his own vomit. I like, I love my dog. But my dog can't kiss me in the mouth. And he can't lick my face. Not just because I'm a black man and we usually don't play like that. Because I was watching him. I watched him poop and go and eat his own poop. I'm trying to stop him. We just fed him. He going to poop and they going to eat his own poop. And then you going to lick me? No, uh-uh. No, no. And I, I'm better than Devin is. De- Devin don't even want him touching her. She don't play all together. But let's, it's like that to have a fool in your life who you know is eating something wrong, and then you keep letting them speak into your life. Well, pastor, I love him. I love him, and he's a Buddhist, but I just love him. Listen, you may not be able to put up with a Buddhist. You're not that saved. You can't allow somebody to keep eating a bunch of stuff and then putting it in your life. You got to tell some folk, no. Oh, I didn't mean to say this, but maybe if you get out of the bed with them, then you'll be able to cut them off. Oh, uh-oh. <laughs> Let me duck. Let me duck. Make those tomatoes hit me. Let me get off of that. Verse 12. There is more hope for fools than for people who think they are wise. Now, the Bible's been telling us all this stuff about fools. Then Solomon turns around and says there's more hope than fo- for fools. Then people who think they're wise, which goes back to the, the two things that he was telling us. There are some fools who know they're fools. And a lot of times you can help them because they know they're fools. They're people who know, and they know they messed up. And if you can get to them, you can get them to turn around. But the folk who are fools but think they're wise, those are the worst people to deal with. And a lot of them people come to church all the time. They live in church and they fools. And they hard to deal with. I don't have none of them in my church. I'm just saying they come to church. Not not here. Let's go point number seven. This is this is our uh we got point number seven A and point number seven B. So here's point number seven A. We're gonna switch. Nothing will close the door of opportunity quicker than laziness will. Because this scripture talks about foolishness and it talks about laziness. Let's look at what uh, Solomon says in verse 13. The lazy person claims there's a lion on the road. Yes, I'm sure there's a lion out there. What Solomon's saying is the lazy folk will make up any excuse. Going back to teenagers, you ever ask your teens why they didn't do something? Boy, to some of the excuses they will make. I was getting on my boys. Don't y'all see this trash? Y'all done passed by this trash every single day. And my son said, well, I go the other way. (laughs) You mean to tell me every day you've been here, you've gone the other way and you don't never see the trash. The excuses lazy folk will make. People now are begging to give jobs away. I've been in meetings where the head people are saying they're trying to relax their drug testing policies because they want folk to work. 
but they can't find nobody. But when you ask a lazy person, they will find any excuse. There was a line on the road. That's why I couldn't go get the application. But the application was online. Well, you know my internet been acting up. But I seen you post on Facebook uh, 20 minutes ago. Yeah, that's the only thing I got minutes for. What You just making up any lie. Lazy folk will make up any excuse. But nothing will close an opportunity in your life quicker than laziness will. Verse 14. Now this one here is rough. As a door swings back and forth on its hinges, so the lazy person turns over in bed. Like a door can swing back and forth on the hinges, a lazy purple will just roll over in the bed. When I say some of y'all need rest, some of y'all need sleep, I ain't talking to lazy folk. Because you've been in the bed too long. Sleep till 12, wake up and watch soap operas till 3, then go back to sleep. Then at 6 o'clock you get high, then go back to sleep, and then want me to pray money in your hands. I'm not praying money in your hands, you lazy joker. Get up! Do something. Well, Pastor, I ain't got nothing to do. I'll find something in the church to you. I'll find something for you to do. But you can't expect opportunities to open for you and you're lazy. Of course, I ain't talking to y'all because y'all at, y'all at church on a Sunday morning. Some folk are too lazy to come to church. Some folk are too lazy. This is for the online folk. Some of y'all show up online late online. You ain't got to get dressed for church. You ain't got to do nothing. You in your pajamas and you still don't log in to 1240. You lazy. Oh, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just throwing it out there. But some folk are just too lazy. So you can't be a fool and you can't be lazy and get a golden opportunity. Now, for those of us who are going to get a golden opportunity, don't let anybody be mad at you and hate on you for your opportunity because many of them had the same opportunity. They were just too foolish and they were too lazy. So I'm going to grab the opportunity and you can't hate on me because I took the opportunity when it was right in front of me. Let's look at verse 15. This is the final verse. Lazy people take food in their hand but don't even lift it to their mouth. Man, Solomon was walking tough. He said they too lazy to put the food in their mouth. They take it with their hand, but won't even put it in their mouth. But the Bible is food. Lazy folk got Bibles in their house full of dust. Won't pick it up. Won't put it to their eyes. Won't read it. Well, I don't understand. Well, find something you do understand. And read that over and over and over. Do something. It's too much available to us, and the opportunity is too big for us to blow it with laziness and with foolishness. Here's point seven B. This is how we're closed with a recap. Put it up there for us. This is the final one. We can't. Here's a recap. We can't allow foolishness, opposition, obstinance, or laziness to hinder our golden opportunity. We can't allow foolishness, F, opposition, O, obstinance, O, or laziness, L, to hinder our golden opportunity. What does that spell? It spells fool again. So at the end of the day, the only thing that will stop us from grabbing everything God has for us is if we play the fool. But we choose not to play the fool because this is my season. This is my turn. This is my opportunity. And can no one stop me from getting it but me? Come on, let's stand to our feet. Amen. This is a blessing and a warning because I believe the golden opportunity is there. But we're warning you, don't miss out on it. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father God, We all have a little fool in us. But God, we pray that in these moments of golden opportunity, the fool in us dies. The laziness in us dies. The things that would hinder us from grabbing and grasping, sometimes the things of our dreams. God, we pray that you would get us out of that state and that we will move through these wide open doors. You're going to swing wide open for us. And God, if we don't get them, it won't be because of you. 
It will be because of us. But I declare with this message, we will make up in our mind. This is our moment to grab and seize the day. And we thank you for it. God, if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you in the part of their sins and don't know you as their Lord and Savior, both here as well as online, as well as in the rebroadcast, I pray that they won't be lazy with this opportunity, but they would grasp it right now by saying, Father God, come into my heart, come into my life, save me. Your son became King of Kings and Lord of Lords and today I make him King and Lord of my life, in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you all.